Hello, welcome on inside a brand new episode of How She Did It. Amanda Smith here. As always, I am so excited for you to join us on the show today. So if you haven't already, after this episode is over, make sure you subscribe. And you can always leave me a review. I love learning what you want to hear on the show. So feedback is always welcome. So this week's guest works in a variety of different roles for Fox Sports National Network. She works as the lead reporter for the network's college football coverage, a moderator for FS1's Skip and Shannon Undisputed, a host for the Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show, and a reporter for several other major events. This was such a fun episode to record. I had such a blast, and I am so excited for you to listen and learn more about her and how she got to where she is. So here is Jenny Taft. Welcome into How She Did It, here with Jenny Taft. So excited to chat with you. I'm just so happy to chat, and it's just fun to see what you're doing with everything and the growth um, from your end and your podcast. It's just very exciting. So happy to be here. Thank you for saying that. So sweet. Uh, It's funny because I normally do fan questions at the end of the show, but I thought that this one would be fitting because I know we were talking about your crazy scheduling and your travel. So I thought this would be a a good little lead into our conversation. So Jason Bust just wants to know, what does game day look like for you? Oh, I appreciate the question. Uh, You know, and it's funny, right? Like I would have given you such a different answer without COVID season, but since we are in the midst of a, a very different season, Um, the perspective on how it has changed is I think probably interesting. And like I mentioned briefly before we started recording the week is a lot of the prep that you do for a college game is during the week, which, you know, so much of what you do as a sideline reporter is not seen is not broadcast is not even necessarily televised. And I love to give people that perspective because you don't even realize it sometimes. And, that's the case for me. So a lot of the time this week will be spent talking to players and coaches, SIDs. I was just about to, and when we get off, I'm going to reach out to both Ohio State and Indiana and make sure I can get some player chats in there. I obviously want to talk to Justin Fields. I haven't had a chance to connect with him yet this season. Um, this will be our second time back in Columbus at the shoe for this game. And, you know, who would have thought Indiana is this great story going into this one. So it's it's connecting with those players ahead of the, ahead of time. So you have stories available. And so much of the time, I won't even use everything that I have. A lot of the work is done ahead of time. And then when the game starts, you you provide the eyes and ears. I like to think to what the fans want to know. But COVID has changed some things. You know, my access is limited. I think it's unique to point out the difference between college and NFL as well, where for NFL, we're seeing the sideline reporters in the stands, Mm -hmm. which I've actually found is a pretty good situation because you're still often able to roam behind behind the sidelines. For some of my college games, they're limiting me to the end zone. So I'm, you know, lurking as close as possible, trying to trying to see things and you don't always get injury updates for college. So I'm doing the best I can to be able to move, to be safe. I'm wearing a mask on the field um, and just being conscious and careful of, of those guidelines. But the challenge is that it's different for everyone. You know, if you're in the stands, 
if you're on the field, it's different based on the conferences. And that's been unique for me because I'm so used to just kind of getting up in there and listening and getting as much info and add in wearing a mask. And, you know, I can't necessarily hear or see the coaches in the same way. It's just, it's a new challenge. I'm embracing it and I'm just happy we're playing football at this point. So that's the good sign. When you talk about that, you don't always use all of the preparation Mm -hmm. and things that you've had. Is that stuff that you eventually could carry over into other games? Sometimes, yes. And what I love, and I'm very grateful that I work with such a great crew. Um, I love working with Joel Klatt, Gus Johnson, my producer, Chuck McDonald, Rich Dewey, our director. We've now been together. So I've been with them for four years, but they've been together for like pushing seven to 10 for some of these guys. So in our production meetings, we always go over stories, anything I really, really want to hit. And they remember like, oh, wow, Johnny had that great thing about Justin and he changed his diet. We didn't really address it the first week. And maybe other broadcasts have already kind of discussed it. Maybe it feels a little bit old, but if it's still relevant, it's always important to bring up. Um, But at the same time, I'm probably an over-preparer and I'm sure every and most every sideline reporter feels the same way. You want to have more stories just in case. And last week, you know, it came up where I had some good stuff on, we were covering USC um, and Arizona, I had some great stuff on Keaton Slovis and the offense and what he did in the offseason, but their offense was slow to get going. So the, the story wasn't as relevant. So you have these stories prepared because of your conversations. And but once the game starts, you just let the game play out. And then you let the story kind of tell itself because you never want to be rehearsed. I think those stories are never as strong anyway. Mm-hmm. It's when you can tie in what you're seeing in the game to what you already know that makes the best report. Well, as you talk about your preparation, I was reading that you said that you pretty much prepare for games now, like you did back when you were an athlete. Mm -hmm. Um, You played lacrosse at Boston University. Was media always the next step for you once your playing career was over? I really wanted to work in sports in some capacity, but my lacrosse teammates would, would joke and laugh. And my husband who played hockey at BU, I would like make him do interviews with me. I would pretend to do sideline reports with my, <laughs> with my teammates. So I was doing BU TV and always wanting to do this. So I think sports were always the goal just because I, I love it. I grew up in an athletic family and just, that was our way of life. And I really did love the new side of things, but always found, you know, some of that hard hitting journalism is challenging at times and sports is such a passion. So my goal was always to tie the two together. I'm so fortunate that I'm in this world. I don't take it for granted. I am like, sometimes I think about just how lucky I am to be working in this world. And it really is so fun and unique, but I approach it very much as I thought of life as an athlete, because you're only as good as your last game and your last performance and your last on air. I mean, I still go back and watch my stuff over. I have (laughs) someone here. I mean, it's just, you always learn from like, I'm pretty aware of if you, you know, slur a word or even something little. And even just last week, because I work on um, Undisputed with Skip and Shannon, a daily debate show. And there were a couple of times where I had these transitions that I just thought were a little funky and they could have been better. And you go back and watch them. They're always so much better than you feel. But I think it's that staying honest with yourself that you're always evolving. You're always getting better. Sometimes I feel like I'm still just 
you know, you're still learning. I am still getting better. And there's no, there's never that end goal for this because it's always live and it's like a sport. I get the same rush from the sideline I get from playing sports and I did from lacrosse and I get the same rush from that red light going on every morning here. It's just, it's a different kind of muscle to flex, but I think it's the live element that I really do love. Where's the line for you between recognizing that even at this level in your career, you still have areas where you can learn and want to do better, but not being overly critical of yourself. That's a really good way to look at it. I think the line is you have to give yourself a little grace and a Mm -hmm. little leeway that we're doing live television and this is not going to be perfect every time. It's supposed to be conversational. So I say that meaning I don't watch everything back and I don't go back and critique myself to, to some extreme. I have a couple of people in this business that I really trust, you know, my agent being one of them and mm-hmm. my producer that I mentioned, I've worked with for the last couple of years and I trust their opinion. And if there's something I may be wondering about and want to have someone's opinion about, but I would avoid social media. I mean, even just last week, like you, you get these comments that are just odd and I knock on wood. Cause I often don't get crazy stuff, but you, you don't win on social media. Like I, even to the point where I've decided on Sundays, I'm going to take off my social media because I sit and I watch games and I'm just scrolling and I'm not even engaging in what I actually want to be doing, which is watching the game. And it doesn't really matter what anyone has to say about it. Um, and I, that truly is something I started yesterday. I'm like every Sunday I'm deleting my Instagram. I'm deleting my, my Twitter. I'll check it in the morning. I'll redownload it on Monday because it just, you have to have that fine line of, who are you trying to be and please, who are you trying to perform for? And it really, it is yourself. Like you're, you are going to always be your worst critic, but you have to still believe in yourself and the growth and mistakes are going to happen. Like it's, it's television, it's sport. It's just being conscious and aware that you're, you're making the right steps and you're growing in the, in the right way. But I, I think it's a good reminder that don't let that stuff get to you because it's hard not to at some point, but you know, there's always going to be that next step and that next job and the next challenge. And, you know, we're all kind of in this together in that sense. Have you ever seen Captain Marvel? I have like bits and pieces. I feel like I should, I won't lie to you and say that I'm like a big Marvel. Oh yeah. No, I was just going to say at the end of the movie, you know, she like walks up and she's like, I have nothing to prove to you. Ooh, that's good. You know, and I always, I always think back to that in moments. I'm like, who, are, who am I trying to prove anything to? Yeah, and oh, that is in this world, like you're not going to please or be everyone's cup of tea. Yeah, bosses that I've said that before have said maybe I'm not the right person for this job, or you know, you know, every single person isn't going to think you're the best at your job. You have to personally believe in it. I believe that my preparation. And, you know, that will never be questioned. So I always think that maybe I over-prepare, but if you have that preparation, you're going to be confident going into what you're doing. It's if you went into a game, I mean, I still have nightmares. I mean, who doesn't have this nightmare? Like you go to a test, you don't have your notes. Like I'll have dreams that I go to a game. I can't find my notes. I can't get to a player or coach. I mean, like that's part, that means you care, Um, but by being prepared, just gives you the confidence to, I think, be so much better and smoother. And, you know, I've learned tricks along the way. Like I don't memorize my on cameras. I kind of remember them in bullet points. So I think when you start to memorize, you can stress yourself out over the delivery and 
you know, I'm just, that's how I like to do things, but everyone has a little bit of a different style. Well, that sounds like a nightmare more than a dream. <laughs> right? <laughs> but everyone has that. Like, yeah. I can't get to lacrosse practice on time. Like the fact that I'm still having that dream and I played college lacrosse over 10 years ago is frightening. I'm still scared uh, of my coach in that sense, but here we are. That is so funny. Well, so back in 2013, when Fox Sports One first launches, you're hired initially to work as an update anchor. Yeah. When you think about the seven, eight years from then to now, how have you been able to continually expand and diversify your role at the network? Great question. When you mention how long it's been, I cannot believe it. I mean, I'm still... <laughs> I'm sitting here in my dressing room at Fox. I'm sharing, I share with Rachel Benetta. So we've got, I apologize, all of our outfits. No, it's amazing. <laughs> I kind of want like a behind the scenes. It's it really, oh, it's crazy. I am so lucky. I love working here and I'm not just saying it. I love the people. I love California life. I grew up in Minnesota. I didn't even, I mean, cold weather was like in my DNA. And so now I go to these big 10 football games and I still pretend like I'm tough and I can handle it, but California has changed me. Um, but just back to the, the FS1 and the journey part, I had initially been at Fox sports North in Minnesota, trying to work my way in and, you know, at a, a network, a sports network in Minnesota, it was less opportunity, but they were incredible with me. I was able to intern and work as a social media reporter. And, you know, back when social media was new, that was kind of a way to get in and be a part of the broadcast. I had applied to work in Boston at Nesson and cover hockey, which is what I grew up playing. My dad played, um, my husband just retired a bit ago. And for whatever reason, although I could have done hockey and it would have been really special, I felt like that wasn't going to push me in the right way to be in Boston, which I loved going to school there, but covering a sport that I knew well. And I told Fox that I was thinking about leaving. They understood because they didn't have a role in Minnesota, but they reminded me that FS1 was launching and a couple people reached out on my behalf about getting an audition. I flew out to LA, I was able to audition. It was, I'm not exaggerating, the shortest audition, I thought like, well, that was nice of them. That was really nice. They saw me. I mean, it was a couple minutes long on camera at the news desk. I, I didn't know how I did. I felt pretty good about it, but it's just, you don't, you never know in, the, in that setting. Um, and I'll never forget this side of the story because Jacob Ullman, who works here, works with the talent. Um, I told him I wanted a couple more minutes after the audition to go just check in with the crew. And I went in and I thanked everyone. I said, thanks for your time. Like, I appreciate it. And Jacob was like, so surprised and impressed that I wanted to just say thanks to everyone. He was like, I've never really had anyone do it in that sense. Like go out of their way, go into the control room. And it, I think it really stood out to them. So that's just my advice. Like the smallest things can help you stand out in a bunch. I don't know if it was the best on camera, I'd be scared to ask someone to find that audition. It was probably fine. <laughs> Even my voice, I think, was higher pitched because I was nervous. But Jacob liked that I said thanks and that that just helped me stand out. Like she, she'll be easy to work with. And I really believe that that's helped me here. Um, I knew that FS1 was going to challenge me. I didn't know what I was going to be doing. Hockey, while one day I hope to cover again, I think going to Boston would have 
changed things in a lot of way for me. And FS1 has been the most rewarding experience because I went from a news desk reporter to covering motocross. And that's another thing that I believe just helped me tremendously because it was a sport I didn't know well. I studied my butt off. Mm -hmm. I Whatever you need to know about moto, I'm your girl. And I, I, I embraced it. I learned it. Um, that was another gig where people at Fox started to see, well, she can cover motorcycle racing and do it well and tell stories. She can cover anything. And so from that, which you never would think that covering motor, motorcycle racing would be kind of a way in to, to see and show what you can do. And I think that that helped me so much here. And I still like to this day, I have a group chat with all my Supercross friends. I miss them. It was this way to get reps that I didn't mm-hmm. realize you needed at the time. And I'm so, so grateful for, for that. And it just kind of opened up other doors. I was with the U.S. Women's National Team at the World Cup and, you know, covering football, covering the dog show. Like FS1 has been just so rewarding in that sense. When you think of now working as a moderator for Undisputed, mm-hmm. is that something you had experience in prior to fully signing and working on the show? Or did you kind of have to learn how to navigate that role as well? I didn't have a ton of experience in the in the moderator role, I guess. I don't know if anyone has a lot of experience breaking it up. It seems like it would be really hard, right? Just, to, just from watching, you know, it seems yeah. like it would be, where can I fit in? Well, and you want to find, you know, you find your moment and you yeah. do, it's a little different now as well because of the pandemic. I am not seated at the desk because of distancing. I'm a little to the side. So I find it, it's almost like a new challenge. When can I find my moments to, to chime in from away? Because so much of when you're sitting at the desk moderating is feeling their energy. And I have come to realize like little nuances with Skip where I know he's almost done with an argument or Shannon's getting riled up. Like I should probably change the subject. Like you feel that. Um, but hosting in general is always something I enjoy as much as I like sideline, I hosted a bit at the Women's World Cup and I love the the dynamic of kind of quarterbacking the table. And I watch Krissa Thompson, Rob Stone, I mean, Kurt Menefee, some of these hosts at Fox, I'm just blown away by how easy they make it look because it's hard to own it, own the role, but then also make everyone else around you shine. And for moderating, while I'm not kind of quarterbacking in the same way, I think if you have those moments where you make it cohesive and look easy, that's kind of your win. Um, and you know, like there's moments on Undisputed where I'll make sure my opinion is known in a sense, like today we're talking about Kyler Murray and what he did last night. I mean, his speed, when I was on the sideline covering him at Oklahoma, it blew me away what he was doing. So now that I can relay that to the show, I think that's really fun. And when that there's a personal connection there, but you know, it's the same way, like moderating is, it's challenging because you want to join in, but you, you also understand that the role is still kind of traffic cop and traffic police. So I, I learned from it. I love that it's totally different than sideline. So I get to kind of do different things during the week, but I mean, the hardest part, I'd be lying to you. I mean, we wake up at 4am. That's the hardest <laughs> part. It's, it's, oh my God. So hard. Like I got another coffee, like we're, it's 930 and I'm on round two, but <laughs> You make it work. I, that. I feel that. I mean, I'm on round two and I definitely <laughs> didn't wake up at 4 a.m. So that should make you feel better. 
When you think about the multitude of sports that you do cover, though, motocross, soccer, you know, the dog show, let's not realize <laughs> out, but football, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. When opportunity comes to you and someone says, Jenny, we want you to cover this. I feel like you're at a level in your career where you could say like, nah, I don't really want to. Mm-hmm. Why do you keep pushing yourself to expand and, and work in these new spaces? Hmm. Wow. I never thought about it that way because you're right. I I'm always, yes. Like I'm a yes person. I want to keep- like any sport. I'm like yeah. researching you. I'm like, she's done that and this and that. That's really interesting. I think that there's a level of finding like your niche, right? I mean, I yeah. really feel strongly about working in, in football. I love college football. I would love to work in the NFL one day. Um, and I've done a few games in the past and I love, I just love the, the sport and I love just being around it. So I'd say overall, you, you say yes to opportunities to grow and you know, you never, you never forget where you came from in that sense. Like I went back and covered, um, hockey day, Minnesota last year, which was one of the first events where they put me on TV. This would have been 2011, 2012. Mm -hmm. Um, and I went back to Minnesota last, last winter and got to host. And it was just like full circle because that's, that's why we do this is, you know, to go back and be a part of those things and to see the people, the producers that helped me over 10 years ago are still there and still wanting to have me involved. Like there's no, like whether I'm on Supercross and there's so many viewers or covering an NFL game or Ohio state, Michigan, and we've got 20 million viewers. I think like 28 million people watch the women's final in France. Like I will not change how I prepare or what I do. I think you just have to view it. It's all kind of the same. Like people always talk about ratings and like, Oh, well, you know what I mean? It, it, at some point it doesn't really matter, but I do like to be pushed. I probably like to work maybe too much. I mean, there's a level of like, I should probably have a couple more days off in between, but that's your Sunday now. I don't know. I feel like if someone else, if I don't want to do it, they're going to find someone else. And I am like still just grateful to be working in this world. And I like it. I mean, it, it's not even, a, sometimes I'm like, is this a job what I'm doing? <laughs> yeah. I'm on the sideline and I, I hope that that, that enjoyment and joy and happiness comes across, I think, cause that's kind of who I am. I'm not, I'm not going to fake that. I mean, at one type time in my career, someone said, I smile too much on air and I'm like, I probably do. Cause I really <laughs> like this. Like, this is, you know, there's a time for it, but you know, like you, I really like what I'm doing and I really you know, I don't like to say no to opportunities, but you still do want to differentiate yourself and you don't want to be the jack of all trades, master of none. Right. I mean, at some point I would, I think I'll pin it down to one area. And I think right now my goals are to, to host, I would love to host, you know, oh, and be able to do sideline, which is kind of what I'm yeah. doing. So hopefully I can just continue that, that cohesion. And luckily at FS1, I'm able to do both. And it's been really, it's been really special. Once again, can't please everyone here. It's like you don't <laughs> smile enough or you smile too no. much. So <laughs> ridiculous. I have to say this person was accurate that I did used to smile in a nervous fashion because I would be about to go on air and I'd be like, you know, like too much hyped up. It was almost 
masking nerves. Yeah. So I think in a lot of ways, it was actually good feedback. I was over smiling because that was kind of like my defense mechanism for being a little bit nervous. And if we went back and watched old Supercross <laughs> interviews, that's probably the case. But you, you grow and you evolve and you don't, you know, go crazy on the smiling. But in general, I have a happy disposition because I'm happy. Yeah. What I'm happy. doing. I can and feel like, it through yeah. the computer. <laughs> I like what I'm doing. So that's oh. the thing I think. I cannot get to these fan questions without asking you this because I've been thinking <laughs> about it this whole time. You said your husband played hockey. Yeah. Your dad played hockey. Mm-hmm. Your brother played hockey. Your mom was a speed skater. Yes. How did you end up with the sport that's not on skates? I know. Well, <laughs> that's what's so wild about all this because like I mentioned in Minnesota when I was starting, I was covering hockey and last last winter when I went back and did hockey day, Minnesota, because hockey in Minnesota is a religion. It's a way of, yeah. I played it. I mean, I played lacrosse in school, but I was probably a better hockey player. And still to this day, I think like I could beat my husband in a race. Like I'm confident about my skating skills, but like, it's weirdly kind of so a part of my family in life that I wanted to keep the two separate. Uh Um, and you know, I don't know. I'm not exactly sure why I felt like that, but I, I back when I could have ended up in Boston, I felt like if I went the hockey route, I probably would have stayed that way. And I love that right now in my career, I mean, who knows, I could cover hockey in the future. And that would be such a cool full circle moment for me. Um, you know, just like hockey was just so much of all my happy memories growing up as a kid. And, you know, my dad and brother and mom too like she still wears speed skates like she hasn't transitioned she's like a speed skate gal but we would go to the outside rink you know at my parent right across from my parents house um my brother and I would skate until it was dark and just that was our day like that's what we did after school if we finished our homework and I am so I love that sport and what it stands for and just being around it and um you know one day I hope I do cover hockey because I think it would be a pretty fun Thing to kind of be able to be a part of again and you know it's it's fun that my husband has you know since retired so he's home a lot more now and you know we watch hockey for fun it's not work and I'm kind <laughs> yeah. of covering it and just watching it so it's been unique it's just it's a sport that I love but it mostly just brings me back to my my roots in Minnesota which is um just always really good memories and the people at Fox Sports North who gave me a shot I, like I can't even say enough about them like I was begging them to let me like tag along to live events. And I'm just, I am so grateful for, for all the people there. We've got three true or false questions. Okay. Then we're moving on to these fan cues. Okay. First one, true or false. You speak fluent French. Oui, je parle français. Merci beaucoup. Très bien. No. Um, yes. I went to a French school growing up. I mean, that is so cool. So, but it's so random. And my parents, my mom, who I, I love to give her this credit, because I just remember like complaining, I wanted to quit, it was hard. And she just said, you're gonna use it one day. Like, you never know. I mean, I was always into fashion as a kid. Like I thought, like she thought one day you'll end up in France and you'll you know be working for some fashion line. Yeah. <laughs> and it turns out I, I go to France and I cover the women, you know, at the world cup, which was incredible. And then the men ironically, or I don't think ironically is the right word, but coincidentally, when the U S men from the United States didn't qualify, I ended up kind of following France around. And I went into that world cup 
worried. I didn't know what my role was going to be. I was supposed to be with the U.S. traveling with them, reporting, and they didn't qualify. It was scary. And then I ended up getting to be around the French, the French team, and using my French, doing interviews. I think I interviewed Kylian Mbappe for the first time. He was on American TV, and it wasn't French, but it was it was cool that it was on Fox. I've never been more nervous. I mean, interviews in English are hard. Yeah. But my one producer that I still work with on college football, uh, his name is Doc, Ryan Doherty, and he had to like tell me to chill out. He was like, stop <laughs> talking in French. You, you're fine. You know it. But I was nervous and I wanted to do a good job. And I am, I have so much respect and admiration for the translators who are able to ask the question, translate, ask the question, because I was having a hard time with the translation in real time. It's just quick. Like it's just yeah. so much happening. Um, I'm blown away by reporters who are able to do that because it, it's a different skill level, but um, using French has turned out to be such an advantage. So mom, dad, thank you for sending me to a to French immersion. <laughs> I'm like, when am I going to use this? And then you're in France. You're like, oh my gosh. And I love this it. This is my I moment. France. I miss it. Like when I can travel again, what's, you know, we're all able to be overseas. Like being yeah. in France is my happy place. Just using it, you know, I feel Parisian. So yeah. it's fun. It's a, I've been to Paris once. Just and I just was place. like, je m'appelle Amanda. <laughs> je m'appelle. Yeah. Like, yeah, that we got to work on my accent. <laughs> I gotta it's work on the it. ours. It's the ours. Okay. I saw this. Need you to confirm yes or no. Okay. True or false, your favorite coach has been your dad. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, it definitely is. That's something yeah, you I said. Mean, you can always go back on it and be like, Dad, oh, you're second no. best. No, no big deal. My favorite. <laughs> I like I can't even say enough about him. I wish, like I could bring him into the Zoom and you could, you know, chat with, with John Taft, but he is just the nicest individual in the entire world. But what I love about how he treats people is it, it was how he was as an athlete as well. And he was so respected. He was the captain of the 76 Olympic team and he's like the, the nicest guy. So like, you don't have to be this like tough leader who rules in, in a certain way. Like you can lead because of how you are and how you treat people. And I just really have always looked up to him in that sense. And, um, you know, it was always about like how I treated others and um, are you having fun? Are you working hard? Like it was just his, his way of teaching and what he made my brother and I stand for as athletes. I do carry that over. And I just like have so much respect for him. And I, you know, it's just proud daughter, but also just, I know how proud he is watching me too now. Like it's, he's been able to come out to some of my games and be on the sideline. And um, he played at university of Wisconsin so going back to Wisconsin last season, just like such a cool thing to experience. And that was, my mom actually grew up in Madison. So anytime I'm in Madison covering the Badgers, it just feels so full circle to be a part of it. And yeah, he's, he's special and he's just like the kindest human in the world. So I always try to try to remember that along the way. Oh, I hope someday I get to talk to Mr. Taft. Oh gosh. Well, he'll talk your ear off. So. I can obviously do that as well. I'm like, oh. <laughs> okay. Last one in your free time. You like horseback riding. I so much. I love it. 
and I don't know, I don't know where the time is to ride right now. Yeah, I grew up horseback riding. My parents were kind of like, you know, you can ride or you can play every other sport because it's just, it's an expensive sport and it's a time consuming thing. So I ended up picking every other sport. Um, You know, I rode (laughs) when I was younger and it was just, you get to that point where you kind of have to take the next step in it. You have to buy a horse or lease a horse. It's just expensive. And yeah, I wouldn't have been able to play other sports had I pursued that. Um, and I just really enjoyed it. Horses have such a calming presence. And ironically, um, I just moved to the South Bay, my husband and I, and a couple of the neighbors around us, the girls love riding and we've gone, we've been like planning trail rides with our neighbors. So I think my future, maybe if I visit you in Utah, I can, you know, find a place to ride. I just love it. So I think one day I'll be able to do it a lot more when I have more time, but right now it's just kind of like my favorite thing that I wish I had more time for. Yeah. Sorry. I'm stuck at like Jenny saying that maybe we're going to hang out someday. So (laughs) watch out. If you find the riding, I'll be over soon. (laughs) Well, obviously, like you said at the beginning of the episode, you've got phone calls to make. We've got a few fan questions. So Solly Lowe would like to know what are Skip and Shannon like? Oh, you got to ask, right? You know, everyone wants to know the dynamic between the two of them. What, you know, the first thing that always comes to mind, I am blown away by their preparation. And when I say that, I mean, they do not miss a game and I am not exaggerating. They watch everything and they prepare. I mean, I wake up at four, Skip gets here at four. So he's <laughs> in his dressing room, he's preparing. I, we used to meet at four in the morning and now we haven't been meeting because of COVID. So we're not gathering before the show, but so we used to meet at four and, you know, Skip gets up at two every day. He is on the treadmill before I do not work out in the morning. I, like I love a good run, but I'm not working out at two 30 in the morning. Shannon is so well read and smart and his notes, he retains information like no one I've ever been around. I mean, just he can spew off facts and he remembers his playing days. Like it was yesterday. I love being around the two of them because they're just so good at what they do. And I mean, I, I like to feel, I remember what I do and covering things, but I have to prepare notes in a different kind of way. And just their preparation is always going to be what impresses me and the way they come to compete. I mean, it, it, it's a competition between them. Like this is, they don't talk before the show. It's a, it's a respect between the two of them, but it really is a, every day is, is game day for them. And I, that's hard to do, you know, I mean, it's just a different kind of energy that really impresses me. And I can't say enough about that, about them. I love that. Every day is game day. It really is. I mean, undisputed game day. We're on (laughs) every day. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Next up, we've got Cole. Who is someone you consider to be a role model? Great question, Cole. There's a lot, there's so many role models um, in this world and in this life. And I'm going to go back to one person that I always remember from my Fox Sports North days. Her name is Marnie Gellner. She's still there. She's still, she does so much. She covers the links. She covers twins, gophers, wild. Um, She used to let me shadow her around when I was in high school, even. Um, I somehow convinced her. I'm not even sure. I think I said, like, I'll bring you a coffee and can I come? And she said, bring me a white chocolate mocha and you can come in anywhere you want. Like, I remember the request and what she taught me and her ability to 
support me. Um, and like, I think it's so important for women to do that in this world and not just women, men too. I mean, Anthony Lepanta is on air at North and I just saw he's been covering games for FS1 and like we worked together over 10 years ago and it's just supporting people in this world has meant so much to me and helped me get to different places. So I always try to remember that and encourage people. Like I'll have people with me on the sideline for, for games and I'm like, send me your resume. Like, let's see what we can do or send me your reel. I mean, just if, cause I always find too, if people have the confidence, courage to talk to me, to reach out, then like, that's the first step. Right. And someone helped me. And, you know, I just so appreciate that. And then on the host front, like I look at someone like Krista Thompson, I think she's incredibly talented. She's a colleague. She also is just a good human and everyone loves working with her. She's just good. She's really good at her job. So there's just people and she's helped me, you know, she's given me advice. Um, she helped me set up an interview that I really wanted uh, about a year ago. And like, there's just when you're working with colleagues, but also in a lot of ways you could be competing with each other, but then you still have the support. I mean, it's just, you don't always find that in this world. And, but for the most part, I do think it's a, it's more of a stereotype that you wouldn't have the support in this, in this industry. It's actually a way more supportive industry than you think it is in a lot of ways. Does it feel weird knowing that you used to be the person reaching out to people being like, Hey, can I follow you? Can I ask you this? And now you're that person for so many young people that want to be in this business. Um, I think it just more so is just gratifying that someone helped me along the way. And I, you know, there are people that I reached out to that I never heard back from too. And I say that with like, I will, I try to get back to as many people as I can, right? Like social media, you get requests to do things like our interview. I mean, it was just like, I didn't mean to miss the email and not get back to it. it. (laughs) But like, just in general, there's so many ways, but I always feel like people who reach out and have the confidence to do so. And just like, it's a win-win, like you're going to find someone to help you and, you know, getting your foot in the door is half the battle. Like just, just an internship. I mean, I'm just so happy. Like there was an intern I worked with and I helped just kind of like one, I'm once you get in the door, you have to do the work. Right. And just an intern we had last spring who's been working, um, for, for sportsillustrated.com. I was just catching up with her. Her name's Kim. And like, I'm just so happy for her. Like I, I just to see that people are able to get in the door, do the work, make the connections. Like that's the first step. And Hey, if, if we can help along the way, then that's the goal. But you know, there's so many jobs in this industry that while of course it's competitive, but at the same time, like I love seeing people have that success. Like I genuinely think it's cool to see there's so many gigs. I think social media, online podcasts, there's so many platforms right now where you can create your own content. And that's what I do try to encourage people to do because, you know, getting yourself out there now, I do think it is easier in that front. That's why I kind of love this show so much, because I think that to me, it's about celebrating others and their stories. Um, and so this is a good lead into our final question, which comes from me every episode. Um, but as much as it's about, you know, celebrating other people, I think it's important, uh, how we were talking about to also reflect on celebrating oneself. And so what is something that you are proud of yourself for? 
Wow. What am I proud of myself for? Um, I'm proud that at the end of the day, I really think that I treat people with respect and I view this as a team. There's no one person that's better than the other. There's, you know, my camera, my audio, the lighting, the producer, the director, you know, the stage director, like if, if we're not all in this, no one is successful. And, you know, you see the people in front of the camera, but you don't see what goes into everything behind it. It's incredible. You know, a crew, a football crew, how many people travel with us and, um, it's all a team, you know, and I'm proud that I, I really try to treat everyone with that same respect because I think that oftentimes you just see the people in front of the camera and you don't realize everything that's going into it. So I would like to think I'd be in this world if I wasn't reporting or in front of the TV. So I just try to remember that and, and remember the people that kind of make you look good and sound good and feel good. So that's something I'm proud of. Well, um, thanks for your kindness to me today. Literally, <laughs> like, you're just so freaking nice. I just, Aww. this is the first time Jenny and I have talked and I just feel like, I feel like I've known you for a while. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm like, oh, we're gosh, riding I'm together. <laughs> I actually really, really would like to come to, to Utah. I want to go to park city. I want to go skiing. Okay. Well, if That's you do life. hit me up, I've got yeah. Got your <laughs> it's been so nice to catch up. I really appreciate yeah. it. Thank you so much for, for taking the time to join me on the show. And I can't wait to, you know, ride up on a horse into the mountains of the ski slopes with you very soon. That just sounds perfect. <laughs> That'll be the next location of our interview. And if you're in LA, the same is true. I would, we'll have to get coffee. We'll yeah. Okay. Well, everyone, that's the end of the episode because we're <laughs> BFFs now and we've got to talk privately. <laughs> No, but thank you again. And thank you guys for listening. For Jenny Taft, I'm Amanda Smith. We'll catch you next time on How She Did It.